Welcome to Nika in the Know, a podcast for healthcare providers in the HIV field. I'm Mariana Breitman. Today, we're welcoming back John Farragon to talk about a common topic that comes up in HIV care, adjusting medications due to renal dysfunction. Welcome, John. Uh, thanks again for having me here, Mariana, and I'm happy to be here. So, John, let's dive right in. When do HIV providers need to think about adjusting medications in terms of renal dysfunction and, you know, what specific medications should they be thinking about in this situation? Yeah, I think that's a great way to start kind of this whole conversation about renal dose adjusting. So, so most of the medications, for example, all, all the non-nucleoside drugs, so those are drugs like afavirenz, um, uh, deraverine, um, uh, ropivirine, all the protease inhibitors, and even the integrase inhibitors, most of them, they do not require dose adjustments. So those are things you really kind of don't have to worry much about for the most part for, for, for renal dysfunction. Where this becomes an issue is really with the new combinations that we use in persons living with HIV. Um, so today I'm going to focus on kind of the four individual medications. And, and many of you who do HIV care uh, will probably be familiar with most of these, most of these medications. But um, there's tenofovir. There's two different formulations. You have the disoproxofumarate. That's the older version. Then you have the tenofovir alafenamide. Those two have some renal dose adjustments. And then intracitabine and lamivudine are, are the FTC and 3TC. Um, these are the other uh, new combinations that are in a lot of the combinations that we use for, for people with HIV. Um, and they're, you know, they're in these common fixed dose combinations that we talk, talk about. So those are kind of the, the, the four main ones. The other one that some people may still be using, some people use it, some people, um, you know, have gotten kind of gotten away from it, but some people still have Iran Abacavir containing regimens, um, which is also a common nucleoside that, that's in some of the combos, but this one does actually not require uh, dose adjustment in renal impairment. So really, it's these four, it's the four nucleosides that we're going to talk about. It's going to be uh, tenofovir alafenamide, tenofovir disoproxifumarate, emtricitabine, and lamivudine. Those are the four main ones that we kind of have to worry the most about. And they're fixed those combinations that are, that are combining those in those, uh, with those, with those medications. Got it. So can you walk us through what providers need to know about these four medications? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously the most important thing is that they're cleared renally, right? So that's the most, most important piece. And, you know, there's a, there's a thing called creatinine clearance that we use. Um, we use this commonly as pharmacists and providers do as well uh, to determine if something needs to be dose adjusted. So there's two, two different ways of actually determining creatinine clearance that we typically use. One of them is what we call the MDRD. So that one is something that's actually on the lab sheets that you often get. So if you're a physician and you're seeing lab sheets, and it has an estimated GFR, it'll tell you that's using the MDRD. You can kind of get an estimate for creatinine clearance that way, but the best way to do it is really to calculate it. Um, and there's this cockroach gall that we commonly use, this calculation that we use. And that's kind of how most of the drugs are dose adjusted. But tenofovir is really, really uh, one of the drugs that we have to worry about. And many of us know that there's two versions. There's the older version that the soproxyl right? The, D, the DF. And then there's also the alafenamide or the, or the TAF version. The TAF version has a little bit of a better renal and bone, bone safety profile. And we used to kind of say that willy-nilly, but I think now we have a lot of good data that really suggests that that's probably true. And we have data that shows, you know, that, that these drugs are safer from a renal and bone safety standpoint. Um, all the combination products with all the tenofovir containing meds are, are combined with a second uh, new called emtricitabine for the most part. And what's tricky about these is that many times the renal dosing for the medications alone 
doesn't always match the dosing for the combination product. So what will happen is the, the fixed dose combination with the drug, the label will change, but then they don't actually change the, the label for the original medication. So emtricitabine, while it might be in a bunch of combinations, um, sometimes it'll say one thing for the fixed dose combination, but the actual label, the original label for, for Mtriva or Mtricitabine will say something different. So a good example here is, you know, the Mtricitabine label uh, alone recommends dosage adjustments with the creatinine clearance falls below 49, uh, but the combination products with TAF and Mtricitabine allow you to go down to 30. So it's really important that providers, um, I think, really extrapolate the data from the fixed dose combinations into what they're doing. Um, for, for the for the older older versions with just the single medication. So part of this is FDA labeling and how they do things. Part of this is how the companies, if they don't, they may not go and actually ask the FDA to change their label for some of the single drugs because they're really worried more about the fixed dose combinations. So providers just have to be aware of, of kind of those differences with the fixed dose combinations and, and the individual individual drugs. So just as an example for remtricitabine dosing and renal dysfunction, for the capsule dosing, if your creatinine clearance, if you calculate it, and it's between 30 and 49, um, that dose is going to be 200 milligrams every 48 hours. However, 30 to 49 is fine at full doses if you're using some of the, some of the fixed dose combinations. And then there's um, if your clearance drops between 15 and 29 or less than 15, there's an every 72 and then an every 96 hour. Again, but this is just if you're using 200 milligrams, um, uh, you know, of the of the intracitabine alone, and not in some of the fixed dose combinations. And then, if you're on on hemodialysis, it's going to be 200 milligrams every 24 hours. So sometimes you get to a point where your renal function is so bad, you wind up on dialysis, and then some of the some of the dosing um, some of the dosing uh, uh, some of the dosing can change. Lamivudine is another great example. So lamivudine is one of the drugs. This is 3TC. This is in some of the combinations as well. And for lower doses, you know, you may actually have to use the liquid formulation. For the most part, there's a hundred milligram tablet for hepatitis B, which nobody really uses, but it's a 150 milligram uh, tablet that you usually wind up using in renal dysfunction, right? Um, but if you're 30 to 49, you can use, use 150 milligrams every 24 hours. That's actually half the dose. And then for 15 to 29, there's a 150 milligram load. Then you do hundred milligrams every 24 hours. This is where it gets a little tricky because a lot a lot of times you may need the liquid formulation to do it. And then there's a 50 milligram every 24 hour and then 25 milligrams every 24 hours, depending on how bad your renal function get, gets. The point I want to make here is that even in the Dovato label, which is actually a drug called, uh, which has um, Tivacate plus, plus lamivudine in it, they actually now allow you to use full dose um, 300 milligrams a day down to 30 mils per minute in the combination label. So what I want to caution people here is that while there's not a ton of data, it is in some of the FDA labels where you can use lamivudine full dose down to down to 30 mils per minute. And the same thing with emtricitabine. So when we make all of these changes for people for people's regimens, because they have a little bit of renal dysfunction, if you're separating the drugs out, you might actually be okay with using the full doses instead of using these, these, these doses that often wind up being a little more complex um, every other day. Sometimes it's complex for people to live liquid gets complex. So I just encourage you to really, when you're really looking at renal dysfunction, make sure you really go back to some of the FDA labels and some of the combination products and fix those, uh, fix those, uh, uh products. So this approximate from our right, that's a tenofovir. Um, that's dosed usually if you're 30 to 49, it's every other day. So 300 milligrams, every 48 hours, it's every 72 to 96 hours, twice a week, if you're 10 to 29. And then 
there's, there's, um, uh, for dialysis, it's usually going to be 300 milligrams once a week. Now, the one thing about tenofovir, we worry about the renal dysfunction, but if they have, they're on dialysis already, right? We always say kind of the horses out of the barn, kind of, so to speak. So the renal dysfunction, you know, the, the kidneys have already been, have already been kind of shot because you're on dialysis. So to use tenofovir once a week, you know, you're not really as worried about the renal, the renal safety issues because you've already, you know, they're already on dialysis. So that's where tenofovir is nice in the fact you could still use it, at least at the fumarate with people who, who are on dialysis at using it once a week. Um, the only other thing I would say, you know, obviously you're worried about the bone issues with TDF because TAF is a little bit safer there, but for the most part, uh, you, you would be okay. But that's some of the basic ones, right? So that's kind of the, that's kind of the big, the big picture on, on some of the, some of the tenofovir enterocytobine uh, and limiting uh, dosing recommendations. Yeah, that was a really great overview. Um, now, a question that comes to mind is, what if a provider wanted to use a fixed dose combination in somebody with renal dysfunction? Yeah, so it's a great question. I kind of alluded to it already, but we'll kind of cover these. I, I want to cover them individually and go through them all, because a lot of the fixed dose combinations are out there. People may may be confused on what's in them and and some of the dosing. So um, notice that some of the some of the fixed dose products are, are actually not recommended in people with different degrees of renal insufficiency, depending on what product is in it. Um, but also sometimes you can use the fixed dose combination labels to justify using higher doses of some of the, some of the other meds that that we might be using. And I hope this is making sense to people as I say it. Those of you who are doing HIV care, I think you'll 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 really kind of get a sense of, of what I'm trying to you know the main points I'm trying to make. But just an example, creatinine clearance is less than 70. So stride build is not recommended. That was the cutoff in the labels for or the cutoff in the studies was 70. Now again, remember Stribold has the old TDF, right? So the TDF formulation plus, you know, cobicystat may actually mess up some of the um the tubular secretion of creatinine. So that so the 70 mil is one of the highest ones. As uh, below that, you can't you can't use Stribold. Less than 50, there's a lot of fixed dose combinations that are not recommended. And most of those are those that, inc that include um. Uh, TDF, okay, so the disaproxyfumarate, so atripla, comavir, complera, delstrigo, um, epsicom, and trimec technically should also be avoided. That new Devada label actually supports that you can use the the uh, the the, the lamivudine, which is in the epsicom and trimec, which requires a dose adjustment down to thirty mils um, based on some of the new labeling. So so I would always feel comfortable using trimec and, and epsicom now down to thirty, and that's probably the newest thing that providers may not be aware that the Devada label based on that. I think it really supports the fact that you can go down to 30 mils per minute um, for, for anything that contains contains limiting in a fixed dose combination, as long as it's with, you know, a, a Bacavir um, uh, or without, if you have Dovato, because that the Bacavir is not in that combination. Um, for Bictarvi and Truvada, um, so if, if the fixed dose combinations are not recommended less than 30 mils per minute. Now, some people for Bictarvi, they use the Vemlidy label, which is just TAF alone, which allows you to go down to 15, but that one doesn't include the entracitabine. So it's a little bit tricky. So really less than 30, you really should be thinking about separating the drugs out and figure out something different. If you have somebody on, on Bictarvi, um, and certainly if they're on Truvada, you would have to, you would have to dose adjust again, 30 and above for Truvada up, up to up to around 50, you would do every other, every other day uh, dosing. And so for credit clearance is less than 30 and 
and they're not on hemodialysis, it gets a little bit trickier. You know, Descovy even, Genvoyo, Defsi, Sintuza, anything that has taf containing regimens, really less than 30, if there are any of these fixed dose combinations with emtricitabine, you really should not be using those fixed dose combinations if their creatinine clearance is less than 30. Some providers might, you know, kind of give it a little bit of leeway. They might say, well, they're 28 or 29, the creatinine clearance is kind of close to 30 and leave it. But again, just make sure you're following them and watching them. And if they continue to, if their credit clearance continues to drop and the creatinine is rising, you certainly want to make sure that 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 you dose adjust it and make those changes and into into some of the separated separated medications. But you can see where this gets really kind of kind of complex, and providers kind of really need to look this up and really check unless they know it and they've been doing it for a long time. And I think that's really an important piece to um, uh, piece to to be aware of. So I know it's hard to do because, you know, you've given us so much information, but if you had to sum all of this up and give folks the bottom line, what would it be? Yeah. So here, here I think is the bottom line. So when you're thinking, thinking about renal dosing, again, think about the, the emtricitabine, lamivudine, and then the TDF and TAF. So those are the four main drugs that you, that you'd be worried about, right? If you're on tenofovir-disulfiramate, the cutoff is going to be either 70 for Stribolt and then it's 50 for all the other TDF containing uh, fixed dose combinations for the most part. Um, for Truvada, which again, we're using that for PrEP in some patients, um, you can go down to 30 mils per minute as well, but you'd have to do every other dosing if their credit clearance falls less than 50. So that's kind of one group. Um, the next group I'll talk about is the people who are on TAF containing regimens. So anything that has TAF in it and some of the fixed dose combinations, really the cutoff is going to be 30 mils, mils per minute. And below that, the FDA does not recommend using TAF in any of the fixed dose combinations. Um, you know, as I said, Benlody alone can go down to 15, but it doesn't containing intracitabine. So I think I'd be a little bit cautious there. And then finally, if you're on the Mividine, uh, fix those combination, all based off the new Devato label, um, with, which is the Dilutegavir 3TC alone, um, they allow dosing down to 30 mils per minute. So it's likely that the other fixed dose combinations that have lamivudine uh, in it, with a, especially those with a Bacavir like Epsicom uh, and Triumac are probably going to be okay down to 30 as well, based on, based on the Devato label. But again, you know, everybody's threshold for this is a little bit different. And, but, I, but as I said before, the FDA labeling doesn't always match all, all the individual drugs. And I think that's where it gets, it gets a little complex, but these are kind of the three, I think the three main, main points, the TDF, the TAF, and then you have the lumivudine. And I think you'd be fine if you had, if you had those three things covered. And if healthcare providers wanted to learn more about this, are there any resources that they can refer to? Yeah, so so you know we've gone through resources before, Mariana, right? So we've looked at we've looked at different resources that are available. The one of them, um, I, I would I would encourage people to take a look at the National HIV Curriculum, which is um, um at the at the University of Washington website. That's a great place to go. Um, there's a lot of good information there. They have information on renal dosing. Um, the individual FDA labeling is actually really good. And then you also have obviously the DHHS guidelines. So the guidelines actually, it's where I pull a lot of the information that I that I did to prepare today. Um, is right is you know has charts that are that are right there that have all the fixed dose combinations. Just be careful. Some of the Devato that that three TC data down to thirty may not be in the in the in the guidance yet. I don't think it is. So just be careful of that. That might be something where you might want to look at the FDA labeling. Um, but there's a lot of places where you can go. Also, um, the HIV Insight, the UCSF website has some information on, on renal dosing, but this is a common thing. I think if you're working with a pharmacist, they, they most, you know, most of us who, who do this on a regular basis know how to renally dose drugs and, and kind of give you the, kind of give you the, um, uh, some of the, some of the most recent recommendations on, on, on what to do. I think that's probably the best place to go. 
John, thanks so much for joining us today and breaking down the four most crucial medications to think about when it comes to adjusting dosage due to renal dysfunction. This is something that does come up frequently for providers in HIV care. We really hope you learned something new today. To learn more about Nika AATC's work and our role in ending the HIV epidemic, visit us at www.nikaatc.org. If you have questions or comments about anything we've covered today, or if you have suggestions for topics you'd like to hear us talk about, don't hesitate to email us at podcast at nikaatc.org. Stay safe, and we'll see you on Thursday for our next episode of Nika in the Know. This presentation is supported by the Health Resources and Services Administration, HRSA, of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS. The contents are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views of, nor an endorsement by HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government.